Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future Forward Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our special guest, Steve Hoffman. And today we're going to be, oh yeah, hi, Steve. (laughs) I was just going to say, fantastic to be here, Lynn. (laughs) Well, we are thrilled to have you because today we have a great conversation in store for you. We're going to be talking about why most startups fail and how you can beat the odds. And just for some background, Steve is the CEO of Founderspace, a global startup accelerator with over 50 partners in 22 countries. And every year he mentors hundreds of startups, helping them overcome their biggest challenges. Steve has founded three venture funded and two bootstrapped startups, each of which is a unique tale. So, and what's really cool is he's, HarperCollins has just published his new book, and I'm going to look at my notes here, Surviving a Startup, where Steve delves into the hard questions like, why do most startups fail? How can entrepreneurs beat the odds, overcome emotional stress, and break through both mental and market barriers? So Steve, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm very happy to be here. Well, this is going to be fabulous, and for anyone who's joining us for the first time, Hey, take that moment and don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Future Forward Sales wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, share the love and click all five stars for our review. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's get this rodeo started. And Steve, I've given a little bit of a brief intro, but can you tell us more about who you are and what your company does? So I am the captain and CEO of Founderspace. And in Silicon Valley, my nickname is Captain Hoff. So what I do is I run a global organization that really helps entrepreneurs launch their companies. Some of the entrepreneurs come in at just the idea stage. Others have a product either ready to launch or already in the market. And what we do is we go deep on their business plan, deep on their marketing strategy, And then we also connect them with venture capital globally. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. I mean, how many people need that? (laughs) So that is uh, brilliant. And so how did you get into it? I got into it by doing my own startups. So I did three venture funded startups. And then after my third startup, my friends started to come to me and they're like, Captain Off, Captain Off, help me. You know, I'm, (laughs) putting together a company. I need to raise capital. I know you've done this before. I need to, I'm working on my business plan. And this was over a decade ago. So they started to come. I started to help them out, answer their questions. And then I started to post those answers to their questions on my blog, Founderspace. More and more people started to come to Founderspace and it just kept growing. And eventually we launched our own startup accelerator in San Francisco. And then People, entrepreneurs from all over the world started to come to our accelerator and we made connections globally. So then we started to run programs in Europe, all across Asia. We started to open our own founder spaces. We have five across China. We started to work with partner accelerators and incubators you know, in, in various countries. And we today have a global network of investors and entrepreneurs, as well as corporate partners and governments to really help startups enter markets and succeed. 
Well, that's an amazing story. And that's so great that you're helping these businesses. And I mean, so here you are. So I'd like to learn more about how you create fresh opportunities to better serve your customers, these startups. So what we do is every startup has unique problems. So the fact is, and it, it's statistically there, most startups fail. The majority of startups fail. So you know, if you're an entrepreneur, how do you, how do you avoid all the mistakes that entrepreneurs typically make that lead to failure? So I myself, not only have I done my own startups, but I've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs globally and I see patterns. Like I see people going down these paths that they, they don't recognize because a lot of times it's their first time doing a yeah. company or at least their first time doing a, a venture fundable company, a company that can grow very rapidly. So they need to see these warning signs. And I'll tell you, most startups like the, from success, from starting to success, isn't a straight line. It's a very crooked line. It's a, it's a it, startups are pivoting, changing their business model, changing their focus, you know, going after different customers continually until they figure it out. It's not easy. It, and in fact, I tell entrepreneurs, it's gonna be really, really, really hard until it's not. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all that venture money that we read about, you know, when they get hundreds of millions of dollars comes flowing in, you know, but by that time, they've really figured it out. Right. And the challenge is that most startups don't. So right. I, I will tell you, um, the number one reason startups fail, the number one reason is because they are pursuing an idea, an idea that is in their head that they believe in so much and so passionately that they will never give up. But the idea has no market there. Yeah. There are not either. There are not enough customers out there or there's a lot of customers, but they really aren't passionate about this product because it re they don't really need it. And yeah. I tell entrepreneurs all the time, if you go to a hundred customers, like a hundred customers out there and you show them your product, and they all go, oh, that's really nice. Come back when it's ready. You know for certain that you will fail. And yeah. people are like, what? Why will I fail? 100 people told me it was nice. Come back when it's ready. Well, everybody will say that to you because yeah. they want to get you out of their office. Like, <laughs> you know, they're busy. You're showing them. They're like, oh, that's nice. Come back later. But yeah. nobody buys a nice to have product. Like nice to haves, we don't buy. You know, if you want to know if you're going to succeed, you need to go to customers and they need to look at you and they can't say it's nice. They need to say, oh my God, I need this. When can I get it? How can I get it? Can I sign up? Can I pay you? What can I do to get this? This is what I've been waiting for. If you hear that, you have a real product. And if there are enough of those customers out there, you have a big business. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of Tom Hopkins where it's, you know, I need it. I want it. I got to have it. Right? Yes. <laughs> You, you, you gotta have the gotta have it customers. And if you don't, you, you know, you're going to struggle. It's really tough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got to really get into their client life, what they want, need or lack and how that's going to benefit them. So they can, you know, because that's, you know, cause that's where you get that. Like I got to have it right. Cause it's the, so they can do whatever. 
and <laughs> whatever that happens to be. Like for me, the original iPhone, it was like, so I can have everything on one device. And it was like, oh my gosh, I gotta have it. <laughs> yeah, when anybody saw the original iPhone compared to all the other phones out there, they were the, oh my God moment, you know? Yeah, Where do I get I one of those? I had an iPod, the video iPod, and then yeah. I'm carrying a Blackberry around. And it's like, oh my goodness. It's like, all of a sudden I had everything on one device. It was brilliant. I was so thrilled. And it was a camera too. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so um, let's just talk about this because that sort of brings us up to, you know, thinking outside the box. So how do you leverage flexibility to do just that, to think outside the box, to get out of your own way about what you think somebody else might want? There's a rule I have. So when you're starting a company, don't fixate on one idea. Like a lot of people think you have to have that magic idea, that golden idea, that epiphany that is gonna you know, take you all the way to IPO. It's just not the way it usually happens. Like most entrepreneurs out there start in one direction, end up in another. Let's just give me, let me give you a few examples. So we all know that little company called Google. That little company called Google, the founders, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, thought they were doing a nonprofit. A nonprofit. It's one of the most profitable companies in the history of the, the world. They thought they were doing a nonprofit. Why? Because when they started Google, they were making a search engine, a search tool for academics to find research papers. That's a very small market. It's not a big market. So they were right. They were doing a nonprofit. It was only later when they saw other search engines, what they were doing and realized, wow, we have a better algorithm. We have superior technology to do this. What if we applied what we're doing to what these other companies are doing, which is broader search, what would happen then? And that's when Google became the company we know today. YouTube, another thing we all know. Well, YouTube, the founders of YouTube, which I know, they weren't originally in their mind starting the biggest video broadcast network, you know, in the world, that wasn't their vision. Their vision originally was a video dating site. They thought they were gonna do video dating, but nobody liked it. Nobody cared. <laughs> then they found out by accident that, hey, we could use the uh, what we built to actually share video files between friends because they wanted to share their own video files with their friends. Right. And all of a sudden, when they enabled that for people, that one small change led to everything else. Yeah. So if you're if you're an entrepreneur out there, don't be blinded by falling in love with your product. I say don't fall in love with your product. It doesn't matter how much you love what you're doing. All that matters is how much your customer loves it. So you can love it all you want. Doesn't make any difference. You can work on it night and day. And but until that customer loves it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The most yeah. important. Yeah. The most important thing an entrepreneur can do at the early stages is to actually, there are two things. So these two things, the first thing they need to do, build a great team, like get those people on their team that are A players, not B or C players, not who, <laughs> who's ever available, but really talented people because like great teams, um, if, you know, even if they run into a problem, hit a brick wall, they can find a way around it. Mediocre teams, even if they have that brilliant idea from the start, they're going to drop the ball and somebody else is going to pick it up and run with it. They're never going to be able to execute. So get that great team and with your team, with an open mind, not just your idea, but 
everybody's idea. Get a lot of different ideas, but focused on a certain area. You know, we're really interested in this area. We think we can change this industry by bringing in new technology, new methods, by innovating. Whatever you have, we believe we can make a big impact on this industry. And then go into the world, seek out the customers, and then start to engage them at a very early stage. And get that feedback, right? And look for the pain points, like where are your customers frustrated? You know, what's driving them crazy? What do they, what are their top five priorities or better yet three priorities? Because like literally, if you're not in their top three priorities, when, when you come to back to them with a pro product, they're going to be, they're not going to respond. <laughs> you know, all of us, like we, we can't track, we can't do too many things. So we're like, we have our top priorities and we're really laser focused on those. You know, maybe I want more revenue or more customers. Maybe I want my business to be more efficient, whatever those, or maybe I have this problem with my, you know, my industry and my workflow, whatever it is, you have these priorities. And if you can, if you don't hit their top three or at least their top five, literally you're, you're not in the game. <laughs> you're, you're not going to get calls back. So figuring this out very early on is the best way to avoid failing later on. Right. Absolutely. I, I think that there's so much to be said for what you're talking about. Also in the sense that you really need to understand that, that customer why, and then frame what you're doing around that. Um, and that's those pain points. So when you work through what are their pain points and then how does your product or service, you know, address those pain points and then what's the impact of that? Because then you really need to articulate what that pain point is costing them. Um, you can work it out in, you know, money, time, time is money, <laughs> you know, stress. I mean, how it's impacting them in a lot of different ways. And then when you communicate that, you can really draw people in that and then how you're going to fix it right mm -hmm. so exactly. that that's that's great so so here we are we're talking about this and it brings me to something i love to talk about um with customers it's their secret sauce mm -hmm. and so what makes up your secret sauce that sets you <laughs> apart in your industry so in in our my industry we have a wealth of resources so we have a lot of resources to bear because we are so international so we originally got our start in Silicon Valley, working with Silicon Valley startups. And then all of a sudden we saw an opportunity. There were all these entrepreneurs coming from all over the United States and Canada and you know the Americas, but all over the world really, from Asia and Europe, everywhere, Africa. And they were landing in Silicon Valley and they needed a flexible program that would get them up and running fast. We met those needs. And that was the secret sauce that, that really founder space became known you know as the number one ranked accelerator for startups from all over the world converging on silicon valley and it's also really cool because you get startups from every country right in, in our different yeah. programs and stuff they have different points of view uh different you know knowledge and you can collaborate in different ways and then the second thing which sprung out of that was that our you know our entrepreneurs can actually uh, make connections overseas. So when they want to go overseas with their products, if they want to enter the Chinese market or the European market, we know exactly who to talk to. We know the investors in that market. It's very, it's very easy for us to help them. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's tremendous. That's tremendous. So, I mean, you've obviously had so much success in how the founder space is growing. Where do you see your business in the next few years? And what are your plans to make that vision happen? 
I am really passionate about helping entrepreneurs on a global scale. So our, our mission is to continue expanding. We're in 22 countries now. I'd love to get to 52 countries, <laughs> you know, in a few years. So we're working really hard on that. Um, we also have been doing a lot online, like with our podcasts and our other materials uh, to support entrepreneurs. So uh, one of the things we believe in is that every everybody who, you know, entrepreneurs are the core engine of America. They are our future, right? And if we can't produce the best entrepreneurs and the best technology, other people are going to pass us up. So we have to invest in this. And um, that's our business, really investing in startups ourselves, helping startups raise outside capital um, and really pushing them to the next level. So um, our goal is just to continue to expand globally so that we have more opportunities to give our entrepreneurs and and more access to capital, more access to talent. All right. Well, that's, I, you know, you, you answered my last question, which was, what are you most passionate about? So is there any um, other tips or insight you want to add to? Um, for our Absolutely. Okay, yes. let's go. So, you know, I'd like to give entrepreneurs a few words of advice because okay. it, it's really important for them to understand this. So when you're beginning your company, think very carefully about the business model. So it, there are a lot of different models out there that you can pick. But really, there's one model, one business model that works extremely well. Okay. And entrepreneurs sometimes overlook this. It is called recurring revenue. So there are a lot of businesses out there where you'll sell a product once to a customer and that customer never comes back. Right. It is extremely hard to grow these businesses because your biggest cost in growing your business is customer is. acquisition, yeah, you know, absolutely. marketing, advertising, getting, and if you get a customer in, pay for that customer, and then they go away, you've lost a golden opportunity. So what the businesses we see in the world that tend to be more, most successful are the businesses that when they get a customer, they never let that customer go. And when they have that customer, there is a way in that business for them to keep monetizing the customer, meaning the customer continues to pay them over and over and over. And just look around you at the biggest businesses in the world. They use this model. Amazon, you go to Amazon once, you know, Amazon will do everything they can to keep you a customer, right? They'll give you free shipping. They'll, you know, get the packages to you overnight or within two days. They will, you know, re make returning products easy. You name it. Amazon is thinking of it. You know, how do we keep this customer with us forever? And when they get you, you keep buying from them, right? So every time you go back to buy a product, they're making more money. So over yeah. your lifetime, your lifetime value, each sale is very small, but over your lifetime value, you're giving Amazon a huge amount of money. That allows Amazon to take this money, reinvest it in the company, reinvest it in marketing and new services and continue to grow and outpace the competitors. So that model of reoccurring revenue and customer lock-in, and the real businesses, if you're thinking about your business, that have potential to just become huge, they give, they have a way that the more the customer uses their product, the more they engage, the harder it is for them to leave. Like they are actually investing in the product themselves. So they're using it. And you can look at this. Um, company, There are all these companies like Salesforce. You go on Salesforce, you integrate it with your system, you set it up, 
And all of a sudden, Salesforce has all these third parties that they brought in to add value, right? And you start using their extra third party plugins and all the different stuff. And before you know it, it's impossible for you to leave Salesforce, whether you like it or not. Competitor can come by with a much lower priced alternative and they may be better in certain areas, but you're, it's so integrated into what you do, you can't leave it. You look at Facebook, they have the network effect. The more people, the more friends you invite, the more you interact with those friends, you're all creating value for each other. You're not gonna leave to some other social network. So this, um, these factors put together make the killer businesses. If you want a business that's gonna become what we call a unicorn in Silicon Valley, just explode, take this advice. Yeah, well, and the advice also applies to businesses who are are not going to be the next Facebook or Google, but can Absolutely. employ hundreds or thousands of people and that reoccurring model. And you can be still selling a product or a service in a, a either B2C or a B2B environment, but where you're creating those types of uh, situations. So way, way back in the day, you know, I started selling printing. And of mm. course, clients don't buy printing once. You know, they buy printing on a regular basis. And the goal was, of course, once you have a client and you're working with them to purchase the printing, then uh, you want to have them buy more and more of the printing from you. And then you want to expand into other aspects of their business. Mm -hmm. So you go from marketing, you go start working into purchasing, you could start working um, with their uh, another division, you know, what, however a company is structured. Right. And but to your point, once you have that customer, it's so important to maintain those close ties to those customers, uh, especially on that decision making in an executive level so that they know the work that you're doing um, and then you're in on the ground floor on new initiatives or projects that come up. You're absolutely right. So, you know, the more value you give them, the more uh, they will give you in the end. Like I always say, an entrepreneur's job is to create value for the customers, right? Yeah. So the, the customer is just like, oh my God, I why would I go to anybody else? This is like amazing. <laughs> And then you find out like, as you engage, you can be a small business. As you as you engage with them, you find out what they really need. Do they need something else? That could be a whole nother revenue stream yeah, for you yeah, and, and, yeah. and great for your customer. Yeah, so then you start adding fulfillment. And the next thing you're doing, you're adding graphic designers that you're putting on site that work just on their dedicated materials. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. You're creating online systems where they can order things for multiple you know, operations or as they've extended their company at big companies and they can maintain their branding and get consistent pricing across the board. I mean, it just, the list goes on, right? And that was just one scenario. Mm -hmm. So, wow, Steve, uh, thank you so much for sharing why most startups fail and how you can beat the odds. I think there's been some great nuggets for everybody and they're gonna wanna know our listeners um, where and how they can find out more about you. Oh, you can find out more about me very simply just go to founderspace.com. So we have tons of free materials there, videos, books, everything else. Go to Founderspace. If you want to find me on any of the social networks like LinkedIn, anything, just search for Founderspace. I'm there. All right. Perfect. And we will include the links uh, below. So it makes it easy for everyone. And Steve, thank you so much. This has been such an informative discussion. And for our audience, if you have any ideas that you would like to share, you can leave us a message down below in the comment section. We love hearing from you. And to stay current on all of our insightful advice and breakthrough advantages, you can sign up for our Future Forward Sales newsletter at our website, futureforwardsales.com. 
Thanks for listening. And Steve, thank you. Thank you so much for what a great episode. Thank you, Lynn.